0: So I want you to be able to ask questions in regards to any of the lessons that we have. I appreciate what Sam has been is, has done and what he is teaching, um, and I have encouraged him. I encouraged him just this morning. I think he's come a long way um, in his teaching, and uh, I am thankful that he is uh, that he is listening, um, and uh, we hope to be able to hear more from him in the future. So, lesson seven: the will of God. How do I find God's will for my life? I think when we, uh, when I was preparing for this lesson, I thought back to my days in college, and it, it's like we we kind of had this mystical idea of what the will of God was. You know, we would go out one day, we would look up into the sky, and we could magic magically, you know. Uh, paint with God's pen the name of the young lady that we were going to end up marrying. And that was finding God's will. Or finding God's will was, Lord, will you want us to go to the mission field? Show me a sign. And then we'd go down to the library and check out the National Geographic for next month. And whatever country was in there, that's probably where we were going to end up going as a missionary. Now, is there anything wrong with looking and, and asking God to reveal to us what his will is and to be able to do things for example like Gideon did in the Old Testament and he laid out a fleece right we can't depend on the fleece though when we have been taught by God everything we need to know about him so for example let's use these two these these two examples that I used at the end of the day if and I shared this with the young people for example that were here from Frontier they're not going to wake up one day, go outside, and see the name of their future spouse written in the sky. Not unless their spouse has hired a plane to be able to go and do some sky riding. <laughs> now, what do we make the determination? Let's say a young man is at school or a young lady is at school. She's at Bible college and there are two young men who have asked her on a date. How do we know which one is going to end up going to marriage? We don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, the Bible does say that the rolling of the dice is in the hand of man, but the outcome is from the Lord. So, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it, though. <laughs> um, you don't know. She would have to date both of them to find out if there's enough interest in there. In other words, uh, you know, I don't believe in dating at the beginning anymore. Okay. I'm old enough to wear. It. Okay. Out with friends, you play games, you play All right. parties, whatever, you get to know both of them. Okay. And one of them, I think their personalities will come out that, you know. Thing like that. So, okay. okay, Abigail? Background check. But yeah, <laughs> she's learned well. <laughs> no, it's not a background check. And while I'm going to disagree, I mean, this, the purpose for tonight is not to debate dating or courtship or anything like that. But the reality is there are a few things that God says in his word that tells her that would be a good indication of whether she's on the right path or not. For example, what's the first thing that, that if my daughter goes off, say, to Frontier in three or four years or whatever, and she goes and she finds a young man, what would be the first thing that she should look for? Right? Christian. A Christian. A practicing Christian. There we go. There we go. Okay, we're going down the right path. Not just says he's saved, but he's also a doer of the word. He's a James chapter 1 kind of person. So if she has a desire, for example, in her heart, and and I'm going to share something that is heartbreaking, and that is down through the years, there are many people who have not gone into service for the Lord Jesus Christ because of this one issue right here. Because they have gone, they have found somebody, and because of looks or money or the person is tall or pretty or whatever, and the next thing you know, they're having having a relationship, and then they get married, and then the person who thought that they were going to go to the mission field or going to the ministry doesn't go. It happens all the time. So there's more to it than just saying, well, I'll be willing to settle on anybody that walks through the door as long as they're a Christian. Well, we all know people who are Christians who do not live in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. Why would we as parents want to relinquish the hand of our hand uh, the hand of our son or our daughter into somebody who really doesn't have a true desire to follow Christ? So we do know what god 's will is. Number one is that we not be not unequally yoked together that 's the first thing, and I believe the second thing would be to understand what is that person's goal, what is their desires in life. Do they have a desire to go into ministry? Now, let's use my daughter again as an example. Either one of my daughters, they go off to school, or my sons, they go off to school, and one person, and, and the young lady has a desire that, that she believes God wants her to be a missionary. And neither of my, none of my children decide that they want to go to be a missionary. What actually is happening if they continue that relationship, if they find out early on what they believe God has called that person to do? In other words, if that young lady or that man has been called to ministry and that's not a desire that's on their heart, what could they be doing in this relationship? They could be pulling them away. This is why we don't go based off of feelings or emotions. It's much more than that. I mean, there are several of you who have been married for a number of years. I mean, my parents are on fifty, coming up on 56 years. It takes a lot of time and it takes falling in love with the same person over and over again. But they haven't gone to the different places that they've gone on the mission field and been together for 44 years in ministry without having the same desires and God knits their heart together. I mean, we've been in places, Violet and I, for 33 years, we've been in places that most of you maybe wouldn't even go for a visit. That doesn't make us special, it's just that God has knit our hearts together to the point where we were willing to do some of those things. And it's no different in church. There may be some people who have a desire to stay in the background. They may just want to clean the chairs or put out the envelopes or bring flowers or whatever it may be. And there are others that God gives a desire in their hearts to actually minister the word of God or to teach. Is one any less than the other? No. Because what does God say? He gives gifts to one differing from another he gives some as teachers he gives some evangelists he gives and what are these done for Ephesians chapter 4 it is done for the edification of the church for the edification and the growth of the body so what about going to the mission field if we have a desire to go somewhere for example so several of you have moved here from somewhere else why here versus another state okay so we know that, and we want to be careful with the words that we use when we're talking about being called. We're, we're, not, we're not saying that we heard an audible voice because I don't believe God speaks like that. He speaks to us through his word. But if, if when, when we say called, for example, Kurt and Karen, uh, you folks just recently moved here from back east. You could have moved to another state. You could have moved somewhere else. Would it have been, and I'm not going to ask you guys this, would it have been sin for them to move to Arizona or New Mexico instead of Wyoming? No. Because God can bless them wherever they go. God God can bless them. As As long as, and here's the criteria, as long as you have the right motives in your heart for doing what you're doing. In other words, if your desire is to please God in everything that you're doing, I believe you have the ability to be able to make a choice. For example, there, there is, who was it, This were you telling me about the man in Quebec, the missionary in Quebec, this morning? And and this man has had a French wife, if I remember the story correctly, he has a French wife, and he believed that God was calling him to go to France, and he tried to get some kind of confirmation that this was where God wanted him to, to end up being, to be a missionary. And today, he's a missionary in French-speaking Quebec. Is he out of God's will because he never gets to go to Europe? No. Now, why are we going to Europe, though? Why are we going to France? If if he has a wrong heart motive for why he's going to France, and there are a lot of missionaries, I'm sure my parents can tell you the same thing, there are a lot of missionaries who go, and as soon as all of the niceness and the waterfalls and the whatever it is kind of fade off into the background, if that's the reason why somebody went to the mission field, they won't stay. We have to go because... Even though the going is tough, we go because we are there to reach the hearts and minds of people. That's what God's will is. So, when we're looking at God's will here, let's go down through some of the, this, and you might have some questions as we go through this. Now, as we said at the very beginning, though, there are a couple of things that are in some of these lessons that we may not be in 100% agreement with, so we're going to try to share those with you as we go through, Okay? A famous preacher once said, a successful man is a man who finds out what God wants him to accomplish with his life and then fulfills it. I look back now, I'm coming up for 55, and I look back now and I wonder the things that I might have done or could have done if I had not made God's will so mystical. I mean we can all do that. You know, well, what if I would have gone here? What if I had gone there? And and as my dad has often told me in the past, we can't live our life on the what-ifs. The what-ifs are soul-destroying. Because you can think about all the things we, what we could have did. For example, and I heard, I've heard several pastors actually say this in the past, well, what if I would have married that girl instead of this girl? Well, the reality is, you didn't marry that girl, you married this one, so keep falling in love with the one that God gave you. Because if God is sovereign and He's in control of all things, then we know that He has brought the two of you together for one purpose, and that is to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. So to second-guess that, essentially what we're doing is saying, God, somewhere you made a mistake, I've just got to find it. I mean, that's, that's really where we're at, right? So the purpose of the lesson is to know how we can simply do, as He says here, we can simply do what God wants. And again, not trying to make it any, any anything fancy or mystical or anything like that. Number one, understand the difference between God's will and God's plan. Letter A, the will of God concerns our spiritual development. I have heard down through the years of counseling, I have heard people come in, and they come in for marriage counseling, and they say, but they'll eventually get saved. What's the problem with that picture? They've already violated God's, God's standard for marriage. If they're a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, they don't even have any, any business dating a person who is an unbeliever. None whatsoever. And so if we come and we understand that God, everything that God wants us to do, involves our spiritual development. We talked about this before. When we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, one day we will be glorified. That means we will be perfect. We will have no sin whatsoever in our life. Sin will be done away with at that point. But in the meantime, we have what's called progressive sanctification. How are we changing? How are we becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ? Now there are times when we can have any kind of a relationship in our life and if it is taking us away from God and the development that he wants us to have in our life, what should we do with that? In that relationship. relationship. Because what we have to ask ourselves this question, Brother Doug, is this relationship more important than my relationship with God? Right, but that's the question we need to ask. Is that relationship more important to me than the relationship I have with God? Because otherwise we end up in a Psalm one situation. Blessed is the man who walks not in what? The counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the seat of the scornful, nor sits in the seat of the ungodly. So if we are just walking along and we are enticed or we are following something that the world doesn't or that the world wants to put in front of us. After a while, it won't be just enough to look at it. It won't be enough to stand there. It won't be enough to just walk by it. We will have to sit there. Do you remember Lot? What happened with Lot? All Lot wanted to do was make money. All Lot wanted to do was a a green valley to be able to take care of his flock. And the next time we hear of Lot, what's happened? on his way out of the city. He can't even get his own married kids to follow him out of the city and they end up, God's judgment rains fire down on Lot and his family and they are destroyed except for Lot and his two daughters. You know why? Because he wasn't concerned about spiritual development. He had bought into the world's philosophy that what the world offers is more important than what God offers. And this happens all the time. You know, we have talked in the past in regards to missions, uh, 2,000 years since the Lord Jesus Christ has returned, and there are still over one-third of the world's population that have never even heard about the the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that? I believe part of it is because there are young people who have not answered the call. They're young people who had good intentions. They were being raised. They were in church. They were in Sunday school. They were hearing the the truth down in, in, in junior churches. They saw the missionaries. They had a burden in their heart to go be a missionary somewhere. And then money caught their attention. Or fame caught their attention. Or whatever it may be. Or a spouse caught their attention. The will of God is never connected with a set of rules, a geographical location, or a specific ministry. Again, this is what we were talking about in regards to mission. As long as you have a desire to serve the Lord, you can serve Him wherever you are planted. Whether it's in Cheyenne, whether it's in Quebec, whether it's in Germany, whether it's wherever it may be. Simply be faithful. But I will say this, if you're not faithful here, God is not going to demand faithfulness from you somewhere else across the world. Does that make sense? In other words, if a missionary comes and he's not doing what he says he's going to do over there, why should I believe him if he's not doing it here? I mean, that's a biblical pattern that he should be no he should know what he needs to do so that when he gets there we know that he's going to establish a church, he's going to plant a church. We, we have mentioned this before to some of you when we were in Liberia. Uh, in, in, in the short time that we were there, uh, there were six, six or seven missionary families who were there in Liberia, right in the area where we were, or fairly close to us, and had over 35 years of time in Liberia on the field. They were all church planters. They were all sending back monthly or bi monthly prayer letters telling everybody what they were doing, and not one church had been planted in 35 years between the lot of them. What happened? I mean, they said that's what they've been called to do, right? That's what they should have been doing. Secondly, the plan of God concerns our spiritual deployment. God does have a specific plan for you as an individual. This plan is the specific direction that God will give in the circumstances of your life. If you go... And I want to be careful using this illustration because it doesn't always apply. But most of the time it does. I don't believe that God is going to direct you to do something that is not within not within the ability or the skills that he gives you to be able to use. For example, we've had the hard hats here. I could not do what Brother Frank does. What Brother Frank does, I mean, he's just superhuman. All right? All right. What some of you guys did in your job, you, what, what you do, I, I, you know, I couldn't do. I, I mean, like Brother Galen, he goes and he does all kinds of environmental stuff, uh, and I would just take weed killer to all of it. <laughs> I don't know how to do his job. So I don't believe God is going to use an area where I don't have a skill set. For example, if I struggled with English, or I struggled with, with ordering a taco in Spanish at Taco Bell... I think it's going to be difficult for me to have a burden and a desire to be able to want to go to a Spanish-speaking country. But that doesn't mean that God wouldn't use me in a particular area because he does have the ability to be able to give you the skills and the talent you have to be able to go do it. For example, we knew a pastor in High Point, North Carolina when we were living there for five and a half years. And they had been missionaries down in the Dominican Republic or some place like that for a number of years. Um, his Spanish was atrocious. I mean, I'm not sure that the workers at Taco Bell would have understood him. <laughs> but when he came in, they had a church in High Point. And it was a Hispanic Baptist church. And those people absolutely loved that man and his wife. They were in their 70s at that point. And God had called them to reach that people, but they couldn't be on the field anymore because of health problems that him and his wife had. So what did he do? God picked him up and moved him to some place he'd never been before, started a church, they're running 60 to 70 people. And it's all in Spanish. And again, the Spanish was absolutely atrocious. But you know what the people saw in him? A love for them and a love for God's word. And he did the best that he could with the language that God had given him. That, I believe, is what we call spiritual deployment. What God does is takes us and moves us in a particular area where we have an ability to be able to work for Him. Next point. Understanding the biblical dimension of God's will. So, the first thing, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 to 7. We are to live holy lives. God desires our sanctification. This simply means to be set apart. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 3. For this is the will of God Your sanctification that you abstain from what? I think somebody's knocking on the door. Over here? Oh, okay, okay. For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from? Sexual immorality, right? So what does that mean in this day and age in which we live? Because there are a lot of people that live, they do whatever they want, whatever floats your boat, whatever makes you happy, just do it. And, and, and the sad thing is, even in churches a lot of times, we have young men and one, young women, and even sometimes older couples, and they are living together instead of pleasing God through the covenant of marriage to be able to, to protect the testimony of the church. And the church just says, okay, whatever. Are we not doing injustice to that young couple if we're not telling them the truth? That what they, what, what they are doing is actually living a lie? You can't say that you know and that you love God if this is what's on your heart and what's on your mind. So when a young man comes to me and he says, I believe it's God's will for me to get married. One of the things I'm going to ask him is, number one, do you believe that you're a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? How has God changed your life? Has God changed your life in the desires even in regards to sexual immorality? Now that's probably something that most of you maybe never have heard in church because it's not popular anymore. But if I can encourage a young man to be careful in the way that he looks at a young lady, or I can encourage a couple in regards to how they're living their life so they don't fall into some kind of a sin and thereby damage their testimony, have we not helped point them to Christ? Have we not sought out progressive sanctification so that they become more like the Savior? absolutely because the world says do whatever you want jesus says no i've got a plan i've got a specific plan for how you should live your life we are to live holy lives in every aspect including in those areas whether it's intimacy or finances or whatever second peter chapter 1 verse 3 the scriptures are good for all that pertain to life and godliness And when somebody comes and they want to counsel with me, if I can't start and end with the word of God, then what good is the Bible? I mean, either the answers are there or not. It's going to help us whether we're dealing with some kind of an addiction, but we have to call these things what God calls them. Somebody comes into my office and they want to talk about some kind of addiction and they're an alcoholic. They're not an alcoholic. They're a drunkard. If somebody comes and they've got an issue with some kind of addiction, whether it's pornography or whatever it may be, I'm going to deal with what's on the heart. The issue is lust. God's not going to tell you to divorce your wife or to divorce your husband and go find somebody else. That's not the answer. That is not God's standard. But there are times when things like that happen and that's why we can point back to the scriptures and we can look at passages like 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 and we can say, Lord I, have, I made a mistake, my life has been messed up, whatever it may be, Lord please forgive me and help me to go on from here being the kind of man or woman that you want me to be. And then we surround ourselves with people who will help us do that. Brother Doug, I'm going to ask you a straight-up question. When you were in the military, uh, did 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 all of the guys that you work with in the army did they have a clean mind? Oh. Oh. Oh, oh. Uh, did they have a clean mouth? Uh, only after they brushed their teeth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, so so let's say let's say that you come. That you came and you you saw me when you were still in the military. And and you're surrounded by this. How easy do you think it is to let a word slip here or there? Pastor, I was one of those people. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to question what you did or didn't do. I'm just, yeah. Yes, okay. So if you're in that situation and you come to me and you say, Pastor Mark... The Lord has really been dealing with my heart and I believe there are some areas in my life that need to be changed because the things that I'm saying, I shouldn't be saying. The things that I'm drinking, I shouldn't be drinking. The things that I'm whatever it may be, I shouldn't be doing. So how do we address that? One of the ways that we're going to address that is say, is, is, is this. Number one, we need to go to see what the scriptures have to say about that. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And so that means we're going to have to use the put off, put on principle. We're going to have to put off the cursing. We're going to have to put on something else. So if we're putting off cursing and a person is struggling in that particular area, and they've, whether they've recently come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, or maybe it's been a while, and they've surrounded themselves with people who are not beneficial, they have no desire, no love for the Lord Jesus Christ, they have no love for His Word, what are some of the things that we could put on or encourage you to put on in that situation? Scripture. 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 Absolutely. Especially in the areas that you are struggling in. Yeah. So if you know that there are certain people that you hang around with before and they are encouraging to use bad language or to do whatever it may, may be that, you're wor- that you have a struggle with in your life, what do you do in that situation? Do you still continue to hang out with them and expect a different result? No. no. Surround yourself with who? God's people. Christians, whether it's at home or having fellowship or whatever, you know, we have, down through the years, I have heard people say things like, pardon my French. Well, you know, I'm not really good at languages, but that ain't French. And when people use that kind of language, if if you went into an interview, anybody here ever been a manager? a manager, okay? some, kind, some kind of supervisory capacity. Um, uh, it never ceases to amaze me when somebody comes and goes for an interview they have clear language, there's no vulgarity, and as soon as they get hired, F-bomb this and take the Lord's name in vain. Well, wait a minute. You didn't speak that way in the interview, so I know full well that you can make it for 30 minutes or an hour without taking the Lord's name in vain. Now, when that's just a little bit of an extreme example, but when we are, uh, Sister Ramona, you were saying, in your workplace, for example, you have some little cards that you've been putting up, and one of the ladies complained about it, or there was a potential complaint, so you take it down. But what about the things that they have on their desks? And we talked about this, and you made the determination, you're going to put it back up no matter who it offends. Isn't that the way we should be in every aspect of our life? I mean, if we are truly living in the will of God, as I shared with you last week, if if the first thing that you should do when you go into workplace, listen, I want you guys to know, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. I'm not going to be interested. I'm not going to entertain that. Don't show me any of the dirty pictures that are on your phone. Don't expect me to use bad language because by the Lord's help, I'm not going to do that. By the way, I'm a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't you go to church with me on Sunday? That'll stop a lot of conversation. But but you, you know what happens? Right. You know what happens, and I'm going to tell on myself here because there was a time, especially in the early years of our life in our marriage, I could go and I could. I've worked in a warehouse. I know what it's like to work lifting UPS boxes for seven eight hours at a shift. I know what it's like to pull two jobs. Your body is is and mentally you're just you're just shut down. And next thing you know, you drop a box on your foot, and guess what comes out of your mouth? Let me give you a clue. It's not. Thine be the glory. (laughs) Am I telling you the truth? Because what happens, what we surround ourselves with and what we hear is what's going to come out of our mouth. So if we start letting people know to begin with that we are a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they say, well, I'm not religious. You know, I'm not either. I'm a true believer and that makes it different because religion is man-made. Salvation is all of God and I'm where I'm at not because I'm holier than thou but because God has changed me. I used to be like that. I used to talk like that. I used to look at that. I used to whatever it may be. I used to listen to that. But God has changed me. This is God's will. Our sanctification. Look at The next one, 2 Peter 3.9. We are to be witnesses as we understand God is not willing that any should perish. All lost people are out of the will of God regardless of what else they may do. Now we don't have time to go into all of this this evening, but there is much more here in context that this verse is actually referring to when it is speaking about the salvation. It is speaking about the salvation of those whom God has set his love upon. But the truth is that when we look at Scripture, when I shared this morning from Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, the Spirit and the bride say, Come, let whosoever will come and drink of the water of life freely. I'm either lying or I'm telling people the truth that I believe that you can come and call on the mercies of God. We've had people who have come and they have bowed the knee and they have prayed and they have sought forgiveness and they have sought or asked God to be able to forgive them for their sins. That's wonderful. But it's not because of anything I did. It's not because of anything you did. It's simply because God sets His love upon us. Here's another thing that is specific in our life 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 18. Give thanks in half of your circumstances as long as they fall between 9 and 5 on a Monday to Friday. That's the good one. That's the good one. one. Why does it say? Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We have talked with several of you in regards to things maybe that are going on in your life or struggles that you may have. It's hard to give thanks for the areas that don't go the way that we want them to go. You've, we've talked recently in regards to the housing situation, for example. We have to ask ourselves, is God still sovereign? Yes. yes. Is God still in control? Yes. Absolutely. Did any of this sneak up on God and catch him off guard? No? Uh, two years ago, did you guys even know where Wyoming was? Well, you may have. I don't know how long this process has been going on. But for a, for a long time, you probably didn't know where Wyoming was. You, maybe you've never even been here. There are a lot of people that are finding themselves in that situation. Ten years ago, 20 years ago, most of you probably would not have thought that you would be where you're at tonight, right here in Cheyenne at Yellowstone Baptist Church. And everything that you have gone through up to this point has brought you to this point. So where to give thanks. Even when it's difficult. A year and a half, almost two years ago, Brother Tony and Sister Janice used to sit right about where you guys are. We prayed for Brother Tony's healing. Did God heal Brother Tony? Sure did. Yes, he did. Permanently healed him. Not the way we wanted, Not the way we wanted not the way we wanted but he was healed healed of everything and not for one moment despite everything else that is going on I don't believe for one moment Sister Janice would want Tony to have to come back from heaven to leave all of that there and come back and have to mess and deal with all of this we wouldn't want to bring somebody back from that we are to give thanks with everything For everything whether it's by life or by death we are the Lord's that means that when even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death we have no reason to fear any evil whatsoever because he is with us his rod and his staff they comfort us you prepare a table for me in the presence of mine enemies is death not an enemy yeah we don't know I mean none of us know what's on the other side apart from the little bit we've got in God's word right And we don't we don't really know. First Peter chapter two. Let's try to finish up down through seven and then we'll finish up for the evening. First Peter chapter two, verse thirteen to fifteen. This is about as close to politics as you're going to hear tonight, all right? First Peter chapter two. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God. That by doing good you put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. You want to knock people's socks off come November the 5th this year. Regardless of who wins regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, regardless of what side of the aisle they're on, on November the sixth, go into work and say something like this. Isn't God great? Isn't God wonderful knowing that in His sovereignty this person was supposed to be in power as of today? There'll probably be some people at your work that have a heart attack. (laughs) Especially if the one that we want to get in doesn't get in. How quickly we forget about Nebuchadnezzar. How quickly we forget about the Nero's and the Caesars and Herod the Great. But to submit to the ordinance of man shows, again, verse 15, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. At the end of the day, if God is still in control that means that all of the people who are in power right now one day they're not going to be in power one day they're going to be dead too. so what do we do? Do we fret and worry and fume and steam I've shared with some of you before when we were in England in nineteen ninety six we were ninety six we were we were in London for the election and um I don't remember who. Was that the first year that Clinton won? Clinton. Clinton. Was that Clinton? Uh, Let's see, 88 to 92, 92 to 96. No, it was 92. It must have been 92. Whenever it was. Yes. We believe And I stayed up. We were in London at the time. I stayed up because of the time difference. It's six hours difference. And and I was watching every result. And I'd go back and I'd lay back down. and, And she'd say, who won? And I said, I don't know yet. And I get up and went back downstairs again. No, it must have been 2,000. That was the hanging Chad's year, wasn't it? Yeah, there we go. It was 2,000. And so I'd lay there and fume a little bit longer and get back up and it was 2 o'clock and then 3 o'clock and then 4 o'clock. And i come back in. Who won? I don't know. Come back in. Five weeks later, we still didn't know. And you know all I did? I stayed up and ate the bread of sorrows and forgot that God was still in control of everything. Romans chapter 12, we looked at that this morning. Verse 1 and verse 2, We are not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. As he says here, Submission to the ordinances of man is to maintain a proper testimony to lead others to Christ, and at the same time, your life is to be transformed to live by a higher standard to please God why should we witness if our lives look just like the world? Should we witness? Are we really being a witness to the wonderful saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? We tell people, He can change you. Well, what has He done to change you? If we're doing the exact same thing that the world is doing. Number six, Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. We have a responsibility even in our workplace to give our best to the Master. To submit as unto the Lord. Because when we're submitting unto the Lord, it makes it a whole lot easier when they ask us to do something that's not in our job description. Again, I know I've been there. So we are to serve those who are in authority from the heart with pure motives as if we are serving Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul continues, this is our last verse for this evening. Look carefully then how you walk. Dad covered this in uh, the the teenagers on Friday. um, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We are, here's God's will, redeem the time. How much time do we give God? How much time do we give the world? How much time do we give whatever it may be? And I believe that we, if we are true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we should stop wasting our time. There's nothing wrong with watching a little bit of TV. There's nothing wrong with being on the internet. There's nothing wrong with reading books. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. Playing games, hand and foot, uno, whatever it is that you want to play. But it should never come to the point where that is more important than our desire to want to follow Christ and want to spend time with Him. You know, it's amazing. We can spend all kinds of time. We can go to a game, spend three hours at a game, but struggle to spend 20 minutes with God. This is why in this book he talks about this in chapter 7. Chapter 7 is one page, a front and a back, and he says on there, And he tells you, he must have said it five or six times in that chapter. Close the book, pick a psalm, and pray that psalm to God for four minutes. You know what often happens though? You want to start praying. You want to have a right heart's desire before God. And so you bow your head and you start praying and the phone rings. Or somebody comes by. Or something comes on the TV that catches our attention. Those, they happen to all of us. But if we are truly wanting to do the will of God in every area of our life, one of the areas or one of the things that God has in His will for us is that we communicate back and forth with Him. Spending time reading in His Word. Spending time praying. Praying the Bible back to Him. What a wonderful, wonderful way to be able to do that. I'm going to close with this example, or not really an example, but kind of what I see and being pleased. When we started, we had our prayer meetings here two, two and a half years ago. Wasn't a lot of praying, was there, Brother Doug? And that doesn't mean that others didn't try before us. I don't want, I don't want you to misunderstand me here. But I believe having a right perspective has changed the way that we approach prayer. Because it's easy to just pick up the prayer list and say, Lord, bless, Lord, bless, Lord, heal, Lord, change, Lord, do this, Lord, do that. Instead of saying, Lord, let me have a real relationship with you. Help me to understand who you are. And then we'll change. That's how we see true revival. The things that I see, the changes that are coming in people's hearts and lives, that comes when we are willing to have a surrendered life to God. As we sang this morning, I surrender all, not just part, all to Him. I want us to sing that song as a conclusion, 275. We sang it this morning.